the message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. I want us to study one of the letters of Paul to the Romans. And it's the book of Romans, chapter 1. And I believe strongly that Paul lay the foundation for the Christian life here on this particular book <clears throat> and identified who we are, who we really are in Christ. And I, I want us to look through it, study it a little bit tonight and let that set foundation for your um, for your later studies or for your tomorrow or for your life as a Christian. Praise God. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 1. It said, Paul is servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus was called or declared to be the son of God with power. He was declared to be the son of God. And, and the truth of the matter is God had always said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Particularly in two scriptures, or on two occasions, Jesus was spoken of in that way. This is my beloved son. But on the third time, in Romans chapter 1 verse 4, he said, He was declared to be the son of God. Not just the son of God doing nothing but the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So if any other person could be holy, no one can be as holy as Jesus. He's, he said the spirit of holiness declared him the Son of God with power. So if we're thinking about holiness within our zeros, think about the holiness that Jesus brings. Praise God. And the Bible says we are in him. We are in him. So if we are in him, do we take on his characteristics? Do we? I think so. So in other words, if he is holy, does it mean we are holy too? Talk to me now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? So in other words, there's not much you should do to be holy. The only thing you've got to do to be holy is just to believe in the name of the Son of God. And the, the fruits of the Spirit, don't, you know, don't forget that. There are also the things that you do that supports your life as a Christian so that we do not get, um, you know, or, or bring back stains to the name of God, basically. But that does not unmake you for, from who you already are. You are a child of God. 
you know, I always say it this way, that regardless of what my children do tomorrow, does that make them my children? No, they're still my children. But the only thing I don't want them to bring back to the family is the wrong impression of us. My kids go out there to swear and curse. Does that make them, does that unmake them my children? No, they are still my children. It's just that people look at them tomorrow and go, oh, Michael's family, they swear and curse. Just bringing back the wrong name to the house. But all the benefit they will ever receive as my kids, they will continue to receive. I don't lock them up because they've misbehaved. I still love them. Both the ones that are doing right and the ones that are not doing right alike. Same way. And when I'm moving cities, do you think I will leave those ones behind? Those ones that have not been behaving properly. No, I will take both the good and the not so good away and move cities to from where? From Sydney to South Australia. Do you know why? Because wherever I go, they will go. It is the same thing. When God moves you forward, it's regardless of where you are, who you are, but as a child of God, you will qualify for everything that he is. Because you're God's child. You qualify. It's just that when you're the silly one, it's just the silly child of God. But you see, you're still a child of God. The child of God is not an adjective. The child of God is who you are. You're God's child. You know, we studied last week, we said, we've been born of God, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. It, li it lives and abides forever. So if we've been born of the word that lives and abides forever, that means we are eternal souls. We are eternal beings. We are not of this world. We don't belong here. I always say that. We don't belong here. Jesus said, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. And he said again, he that is from above is above all. You see, those are the scriptures that should get your attention. When you hear anything said about Jesus, know that the same qualities refer to you. Do you know why? Because we belong together. We are of the same breed. Do you get it? Or are you just accepting because I'm the one saying it? Go study it for yourself. Don't just believe me. Go study it. Praise God. All right. Verse 4 again. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we... Can you see where we come in? You see, he was talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden he switched on to us. 
He said, verse 3, let's take from verse 3. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. In other words, he came, you know, through the lineage of David in flesh. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And verse 5, it says, by whom? By Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship. Grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom ye also are called of Jesus Christ. In other words, you've been called. You are not about to be. There are some people that are still waiting for the call. You are not about to be called. You've been called. You just need to understand what area of calling you've been called. Whilst you're there, I'd like you to quickly go to John chapter 15, verse 1. Message translation says, I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear fruit and every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. And he said, you are already pruned back by the message I've spoken. And when he says already pruned back, in King James Version, he says you are already clean. You are already clean by the words that I've spoken to you. You are already clean. In other words, regardless of where you are, how you are, you know, where you're coming from, it says you are clean. Oh, say this with me. I'm clean. Very clean. Spotless. Born of God. You see, in, in the book of Isaiah, it said, if you repent of your sin, he, can, he will change you. He will, you know, it's like, come, let's reason together, says the Lord. Even though your sin be as red as crimson, it shall be white as snow. That's what he said. He said, come, let's reason together. But Jesus is saying, hey, we've already reasoned because you're clean. As long as you hear my words. So the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, my words bring the spirit upon your hearts and brings you to life, make you alive. His words. Oh, think about it. His words created the heavens and the earth. Where you are today, the trees, everything. His words created them. So if he speaks the word, so if his word could create things, do you think his words cannot make you? It can. It can. And do you know why we always talk about the word here? Because that's our life. No one gets transformed without God's word. You get it? Fasting will not transform you. Prayers will not transform you. His words will transform you. His words. Because they're spirit in their life. It changes you. So we're not, we not just transformation for nothing. We're here because of God's word. God's word brought us here. God's word brought us here. Amen. You know how it says our vision is to generously impact nations, building a people with God-likeness, a people who will lead and influence in all areas of life through 
the knowledge, knowing God's word, and the wisdom acting by God's word. Knowing and acting by God's word. Because that's how you will achieve anything in life. That's how you will get to your goals. Learning God's word for yourself. You know, I always tell people, I said, I don't, usually I don't study because I want to preach. I, I, I study because I love to study. So I study, and God takes out of much, the much that I've studied, and direct my tongue, and I speak to you. And at times I have a title about it. At times I don't even have a title. Not because I'm not ready, but because I am always ready. Praise God. And to, to be honest with you, I'm always excited to speak God's word. I'm always excited. Always excited. There's no day. Ask my wife. There's no day. There's no week. There's no Friday or Sunday that I'm not ready. I'm always willing for someone to say, I can't do it today. Then I'll jump in. Can I be honest with you? I'm not supposed to be the one speaking today. I only checked it out this morning. I saw, oh, this person already told me he's not, you know, he can't do it today. And I thought, okay, you know what? Yes. Because I'm excited about it. I'm not, okay, can I say this? I'm not excited just to, you know, hold the microphone and talk to you. It's also, I'm also excited just to sit with one person and share the gospel. At times I'm at work. Thank God for the kind of place I work. But at times I'm at work, we're just only discussing the Bible. We're not discussing the, the reason why we are there. <laughs> and halfway through that, you know, that mindset comes back to me to say, guys, come on, you should be working, not just discussing the Bible. Then we'll go back to it. Because in him we live and move and have our being. In him, in God's word. You have to be clothed with God's word. You have to completely find yourself in his word. I'm not saying you have to finish your whole, the, the whole Bible. No, you finish your whole Bible, it probably might not even do you any good. You know that? You probably might just be filled with the, with the multiplicity of words in the Bible without one knowledge and wisdom. But you probably might have just only read one scripture. And that will change the course of your life forever. It will change you forever. Just one scripture. Now, I love this man of God. He said, one word from God. One word from God can change your life forever. Mm. Verse 6. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? That was where we stopped. Now, verse 7, it says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God. It's just like I'm talking to you now. To all that be in Jemison town, beloved of God. So he's saying, hey, if you don't know, you are beloved. You are beloved of God, called to be saints. Say amen. amen. All right. So we are called to be saints. We're beloved of God and we're called to be saints. And at times... You know how it is, right? You know how they only make people who are dead saints. 
And that's a tradition. That's an, an interesting tradition. But the Bible does not say that, though. I'd rather listen to the Bible. Okay? So I'd rather look at my brothers and sisters because he delivered us. Remember? Delivered us from the domain of what? Of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's what Peter said. He said, he has delivered us. He is not about to, but he has delivered us from the domain, from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. All right. So the very moment, and it was a split second thing. It didn't take him forever. The moment you get to believe in Jesus and confess him as your Lord and Savior, you are delivered from the domain of darkness. You are dead and your life is in Christ. Right? So you are delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So right at that very moment, you've moved from being a sinner to a saint. Completely. But it's not the more you act and the more you you behave like a Christian, then you become a saint. It's not the more good things you do. Do you know, it's not good things that makes you a saint. You know that? But you see, in the world, that's how they measure who can become a saint. The much you do. And then, after you are dead, they bring out all the good things that you've done, they look at them. If they really, really, really outweigh all the bad things you've done, then you could be qualified to be a saint. And then finally, when they make you a saint, you're already dead. You don't even know. And then they talk about Saint Teresa, Saint Joseph, Saint Ignatius, Saint Paul. How about this if I give you an award after you're dead? You run the race. So the award belongs to you, but we'll have to watch out if you actually did it properly after you're dead. So once you're long gone, then we'll start to judge. Okay, did she do it right? All right, great. So she won. No, I'd rather celebrate while I'm alive. So we're called to be saints. He said, we are, we've, been, we've been called of God. That's what it says, isn't it? So to all that be in Rome, that be in Jamison Town, that be right in this room, beloved of God and called to be sent, it's a grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Your faith is spoken of of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Make him request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I proposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am Dero, 
both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For, and this is the one that is very familiar to us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, that's where I'm taking you to, for therein, in other words, for in the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So the gospel of Christ contains God's righteousness the more you believe it. It's a the gospel of Christ is contained righteousness. For therein, in the righteousness of God is... For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and he went ahead to talk about so many other things. But one other area I'd like to quickly take you to is chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to read from the message translation. It says, so what difference does it make who's a Jew and who isn't? Who has been trained in God's way and who hasn't? And now he's talking about two people who believe in Jesus. And one has been there for a long time and the other one has only just walked in. Alright? Because that's the Jews. The Jews have always been there. They're the natural people of God. But the Gentiles have only just been amalgamated. They've only just been grafted in. So, so what difference does it make who's a Jew and who isn't? Who has been trained in God's ways and who hasn't? As it turns out, it makes a lot of difference. But not the difference so many have assumed. First, there's the matter of being put in charge of writing down and caring for God's revelation, and that was the Jews. They were the ones who were, you know, appointed. Okay, you write down the revelation. So up until the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were the Jews that were writing them, even further. And he said, these revelations are holy scriptures. See, so what if, in the course of doing that, some of those Jews abandoned their post, abandoned what they're supposed to be doing? Say, but God didn't abandon them. Can you see how he's reasoning? And can you see your life in Christ? He said, even though you've abandoned your post, God doesn't abandon you. Even though a child says, you know what? I've disowned my father. So, but yet you are still his child. He said, do you think that their faithlessness cancels out his faithfulness? For example, you know how God, through his grace, allows rain to fall on both the wicked and, and the righteous. Allows his oxygen to be consumed by both the wicked and the righteous. Hmm? And allows both the wicked and the righteous to 
to wake to go to bed and wake up in the morning. That's his grace. That's his grace. Oh well, call it nature. Call it Mother Earth. Call it, you know, it's just natural phenomenon. But I'm telling you, that's God's grace. And at times, this is just general grace that he lets everyone, both the wicked and the non-wicked, have. If he gave you the opportunity to be the one dishing out oxygen, you know there are some that you will not give oxygen for some few days. You go, I need you to know that I'm in charge today. (laughs) And you hold back some oxygen. But God is not like man. Hallelujah. He said, do you think that your faithlessness cancels out his faithfulness? Not on your life. Depend on it. God keeps his word even when the whole world is lying through his teeth. Do you get it? God keeps his word even when the whole world is lying. God keeps his word. Psalm 119, I believe verse 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed, is settled in heaven. Settled. He doesn't change it because of you. And he's not about to change the way he does things because of you. If he blesses people, he will bless you because that's what he does. He won't look at you and go, oh, yeah. You're so terrible, I'm not going to bless you. No, he will bless you because you are his child. But if you are not his child, it's a whole different ball game altogether. You know that? Because you don't belong to the commonwealth of promise. It's just like the commonwealth of Australia. If you are not a citizen, you are not a citizen. You can go where citizens go, but when Australia is rescuing its own, they will only rescue their own. You get it? You and another person might go to somewhere in Papua New Guinea. And then something is happening in Papua New Guinea. And it says some Australian citizens are there. Australia will only come and rescue the citizens and take them away. But you and the same person went together. Do you get it? It's exactly the same difference. So you, as a Christian and a non-Christian, can be living in the same house, acting as brothers and sisters. You are not. In God's eyes, you are not. Because that person belongs to a different commonwealth. And you belong to a different commonwealth. Your citizenship is different. But once you get born again, you are automatically enrolled into God's citizenship, into God's kingdom. You now belong here. So regardless of what dangers and difficulties you're passing through, he comes for you. He comes to get his own. He protects his own first. He said, he that keeps Israel... Does not sleep, nor slumber. In other words, he's always on guard, watching over his own. He said he will not allow your foot to be moved. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. I know I won't be able to finish this today, but let's just go to 
uh, quickly to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, 91, 91. Are you there? All right. Let's, let's read it from King James Version. So that we don't have to ex explain so many things. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, Almighty El Shaddai. Okay? King, our message Bible again, because there's something there that, that will be interesting. All right. You who sit down in the high God's presence, you spend the night in Shaddai's shadow, And the way this is put it is more like a statement, a directive statement. But King James Version is, is saying this is what happens. But this is saying this is what you should do, more or less. But King James Version, I like it because it's actually saying this is what happens. Anyone who, who abides in the shadows of the Almighty or dwells in the secret place of the Most High, abides also under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, he's covered. He's covered. Completely covered. He's protected. Okay? He said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my strength, my God in whom will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wing shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid. Verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flyeth by day. Are you still here? He said, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, regardless of what is going on, because you dwell in the shadow of the Most High or dwell in the secret place of the Most High. He keeps you. Have you ever slept through the night and you wake up in the morning and you see people are gathered very close to your house? And you're thinking, what happened? He said, didn't you hear what happened last night? He said, no, I slept through. Do you know at times it's just because God gives his beloved sleep. That's what the scripture says. He gives, he gives his beloved ones sleep. He gives you peace, especially when he knows your anxiety level is high. He'll make you sleep through. You know, at times, I, I, at times I, I, I kind of perceive God this way, and, and I know he's not like that, but I perceive God this way, like I'm about to tell you. At times, when I realize one of my kids is going to be the one that will disturb me later and say, Dad, give me, please, 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 please. I quickly give it to them. Before they even start to ask, because I know that's just another level of disturbance. Oh, I know the one that is going to get scared easily. I, take, I remove them from, from the scene. Do you know why they, allow, they don't allow children to watch PG or MA, MA+, horror movies? Because they will freak out and they don't sleep at night. And at times, God keeps you away from those things so that you can have a good sleep. He said, thou shall not be afraid for the terror by night. It's not because it's not scary, but it keeps you from seeing them. 
And that is why I don't care what is going on at night because I know I'm secured. I'm secured. Completely secured. I am. Say, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by, the flight by, oh, for, for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, even in the daytime. In the daytime, before you get there, it's already happened. Or after you've just passed, it will happen. And you're thinking, but I just passed there. Because this is the heritage of God's children. And it said in the next one, in King James Version, or rather in Message Translation, it said, that's right, he rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you are perfectly safe. He says, his arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon, even though others succumb all around. Drop like flies right and left. No harm will even graze you. Did you hear that? So even when thousands shall fall at the side and 10,000 at your right hand, he said it won't touch you. It won't touch you. He said you will stand untouched, watched, you watch it all from a distance. And you watch the wicked turn into corpses. That's interesting, isn't it? So yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very home, evil can't get close to you. Say amen. Ham can get through the door. Why? Because he ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. You see, once you get born again, you've got an angel assigned to you. And do you know who the angel is? He's the highest angel of all. That's the Holy Spirit. You know what he does when he comforts you? He fends off all evil to keep you at peace. You get it? Do you know the Holy Spirit? All right. Let me finish with this. The Holy Spirit, you know, at times we perceive him as a dove, that calm dove, right? And that sweet, can't hurt anybody's spirit. That sweet, you know, calm, very soft. You know, at times you think about the Holy Spirit too soft that you feel like you can't even carry anything. Okay? You say, that calm spirit. Can I say to you that to you who is born of God, the Holy Spirit is calm as a dove. To them who do not know him, he is a consuming fire. Do you get that? You see, on the day of Pentecost, Everyone in the room, the 120 of them, could perceive, could see on each one's head 
the flaming tongue of fire. It was not ice. It was fire sitting on the head of each one. But you see, the fire of the Holy Ghost does not consume its own. It protects its own. And how does fire protect? Talk to me. How does fire protect? By burning off anything outside it. And keeping you safe. So he engulfs you. You're feeling warm. You see, the same fire that you feel warm in is the same fire that could engulf the whole house and destroys the whole house. But for you, his warmth, his love, his kindness, his comfort, his joy, his ever-present help in times of trouble. You see, he is the comforter for you. The Holy Spirit is all of that. But to them who are not born of God, or to any issue that comes against you, he's a consuming fire. And God told the children of Israel, he said, I'm sending an angel before you. In the book of Exodus chapter 33, he said, I'm sending an angel before you, but this angel, don't offend him, because he's not merciful. Oh. I'll tell you who he was. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that we can rub our, you know, rub shoulders together today. We can feel like Holy Spirit just come. We call him at will now. Come Holy Spirit. Feel this place. At times when we don't even mean it, we just say, ah, do you know the Holy Spirit is here? He's there. So he, you know, he feels at home. Do you know these days they do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Please don't quote me wrongly, all right? But do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain no longer applies. Do you know why it doesn't apply? Because he loves you. And he wants his name to be popular in your mouth. But there are those who are still not allowed to use his name in vain. But for you in the house, he knows when you call him, you just love him. When you say, oh, Holy Spirit. You know, when you say, Jesus. You know, anytime we can call on the name of Jesus. Because he gave you the authority to say, use my name. Use the name of Jesus. But there are some who cannot. Because they are not permitted to. They have not been given the authority in the name of Jesus. So they can't. So can I say to you that what you've got is much more than what you could ever bargain for. You've got everything in the world. You are a saint. You are born of God. You are beloved of God. That's what the scripture just said, right? We just studied that you are beloved of God. You are born of God. You are a saint. And if you are a saint, act like one. Be proud of it. <laughs>